You guys pray with me. Father God, thank you so much um, for these reminders that we're going to get today and for speaking to us. And I just pray that that's what you'll do and that we will lean into you and lean into your word, lean into what you're challenging us to do. And it doesn't say in the Bible that it's going to be easy. It doesn't going to be something that uh, doesn't take a lot of work. But I just pray that we will embrace everything that you give to us through your Holy Spirit. It gives us the power to do the things that we would normally say that's impossible. So we give you this time and this we ask in your name. Amen. Wow. You know, if you watch that video and you know kind of what today is, is talking about, there are just some messages and things that, that I pray a little bit more over during the week, and I pray I, I, every week about the message that God lays on my heart, but there are some sermons I'm like, okay, God, really speak that it's not me, it's you, and that you'll uh, just make a huge difference in our lives because it, uh, there's just some things that are just a little bit more personal than others, and they're just a little bit more difficult. And for me, this is one of those topics where Jesus tells me to do this, and yet deep down, I, I don't want to. Kind of like last week, you know, God says, you know, you've heard it said to love your neighbors and hate your enemies, which I totally agree with that. You know, I can, I can handle that. But then he says, but I tell you to love your enemies. And I'm like, okay. Time out. You know, I, I was okay with the first statement. The second one, not so much. But I want you to know this, and I think some of you guys really understand this if you've been following Christ for a while, that oftentimes the best things come on the other side of some really strong difficulties. All right? You have some really strong difficulties, things that were, uh, they, it caused a lot of hurt and pain, but then there was beauty on the other side of that. And I think this is one of those things. It's a portion uh, that we find in the Sermon on the Mount. We are moving into chapter 6. If you've been with us for a while, uh, going chronologically through the life of Christ. <clears throat> and in chapter 6, uh, Jesus, in his sermon, his amazing sermon, spends a good chunk of it talking about praying and fasting. Praying and fasting, praying and fasting. This is what it's going to look like when you decide to pray. You need to pray. You need to fast. Praying, you know, we're having conversations with God. We're talking and we're listening to Him. And when it comes to prayer, we, we oftentimes, as me, we do, a, we do a really good job of talking, but then I don't do a really good job of listening to what God is trying to tell me. And so sometimes I just need to be quiet and listen to God's voice. Henry Blackaby says that God's, uh, he communicates mostly by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, through prayer, and just being still and silent and listening through the circumstances that we live our lives. <clears throat> fasting, if you're not familiar with fasting, I encourage you, make this something that is a part of your life. Giving something up and giving God the honor in that place. Uh, it could be food, it could be electronics, it could be social media, whatever it looks like. Uh, you're going to give something up, and then when you really feel the urge to do that thing, 
to eat that food, to drink that beverage, to watch this show or whatever it may be that you're fasting from, you stop what you're doing and you just spend time with God. And it is amazing what God can do in your life when you bring these things to the forefront and you start to do those things. And then in the middle of all this that Jesus is talking about in chapter 6, in verses 14 and 15, he says something that it would normally seem like it's a little bit out of the blue, but it's very, very purposeful where he placed it. This is what he says. He says, if you forgive those who sinned against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Wow. Interesting that Jesus inserts this into a lot of conversation about prayer and fasting. And I find that very appropriate that he's basically telling me, it's almost like he had Jeff in mind, Jeff, I know you well enough that you're going to fail at this if you try to do it on your own. I need you to surround it with prayer and fasting. That if you want to try to forgive others, you're going to need my help. And the scripture that we're going to use today to kind of steer us, it's going to be the overarching scripture, is found in the book of Luke. So the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 17, we're going to read verse 1 and then verses 3 through 5, and we're going to use the NIV for this portion of scripture. This is what he says. Jesus says to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. They're on their way. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, notice what he says, forgive them. Even... Even if they sin against you seven times in a day, and seven times they come back to you saying, hey, I repent, I'm sorry, you must, catch this, you must forgive them. Wow. Now, notice the response from the apostles. In verse 5, the apostles said to the Lord, well, then increase our faith. Increase our faith. That's what needs to happen. Increase our faith so that we may forgive. All right? And maybe you're in a place where you're like, yeah, not interested in forgiving somebody. Maybe your prayer is, okay, God, increase my faith. I'm going to make this my prayer. And so here's the question, and this is going to hurt, but who is it that hurt you? Think about it. Who is the one that betrayed you? Who is the one who lied about you, mistreated you, maybe took advantage of you, maybe touched you inappropriately, maybe said things about you? I don't know what it is. I don't know each person's story. But I think we've all got somebody in the course of our lifetime that caused us a great deal of pain. And it's easy to talk about forgiveness when it's something small. It's maybe a one-time offense. Somebody nicks your car, somebody does something, you're like, okay. But it's not so easy when we talk about the big stuff. 
something that has occurred over and over again. Maybe it's somebody, especially somebody who you trusted, somebody who you admired, somebody that you loved, and you put your trust and love and, and a lot of admiration in this person, and they hurt you, and because of that, there's extreme pain involved. And so it's not easy when we start talking about that stuff. And so who was it? Who is it? And you have so badly vowed to never, ever forgive that person. Maybe as a roommate that stole from you, um, maybe told some gossip or lied about you. Maybe it's a friend, you got bullied. Maybe it's a boyfriend who lied to you and then in the course of time lied about you. Maybe it was something said online. I can't tell you how many times this has occurred about me where it's something will be said and it's directed either at me or something that I oversaw. And they say things in social media and it hurts. And so we unfriend some of those people because I just don't want to subject myself to that. Maybe as a father, a dad, or a father figure, somebody who you desperately wanted to please, who you just, man, I just want their admiration. I want them to accept me and embrace me the way that a father should a child. And it never, ever happened. Maybe as a spouse who you trusted with your life and you let them into your inner core of your life only to have that trust violated. Maybe there was an affair or some unfaithfulness. You were treated in a way that you were never ever should happen inside the bounds of marriage. Now that trust is broken. Maybe it was a person who was an authority figure in your life, someone who you looked up to, and they did something that not only affected your relationship, but now you are consumed with all kinds of bitterness. You're upset, you're hurt, and it can move to rage. So, really, do we have to forgive those people? I mean, the ones who have caused such severe pain, and why? Because they don't deserve it, right? They don't deserve it. What they did was horrible, and it was so wrong, and they should be punished for their actions. But if God says you should, if we really do, then the first question that should come to mind is how? How do we get to a place where we can forgive somebody when they did such awful things? After what they did, how can I forgive that? And so we go back to our prayer. Okay, God, increase my faith so that my faith will grow and I will have the power to do the things that you're asking me to do. So I don't know the details of each person's situation, but I do know what it's like to be hurt. Um, I shared with you guys a few weeks ago about my youth pastor, who I looked up to more than anybody else in my life when I was in high school. I mean, junior high, elementary, in my freshman year of high school, uh, this person was the person that I idolized the most. Uh, Youth ministry was pretty new back then. And, uh, and he was just filled with charisma, and we had just an amazing youth group. And I'm like, man, that's what I want to do when I get older. I want to do what he does. And then he betrayed us, and he hurt us, 
And he took advantage of some of the girls in our youth group. And because of that, not only was he fired from his job, he ended up going to prison for six years. And I remember the, the hatred that filled my heart, the anger that I had towards him. How in the world could he do that? And part of the reason is because I put him on such a high pedestal. I thought, you know what? He's perfect, right? He's a pastor. You know, when that was in the day and age where pastors really didn't confess their sins. And they just shoved it down and they didn't let it out. I had a lady one time call me. I was in California and she said, Hey, I just wanted to ask you this question because there's a lady in our church that is saying these things about you and you're not even here and she said you said it in a life group with some students and so I just wanted to call and ask you and I'm like oh my gosh that is absolutely not true that is completely false in fact you can call all the other kids in that life group and ask them because I'm pretty sure what you're saying she's saying I said people would remember that but what happened is this lady had a son who was not happy with me because he felt like I gave more attention to some of the other students. And so what he did is he started telling mom some lies and some things that he said that I said. And then she started sharing it with other people. And here I am in California and they're in Colorado and I'm hearing all these things, these lies are being said and it hurts. And I had a senior pastor, a friend of mine, a very good friend, who said some really hurtful things. And then he actually preached a sermon that kind of attacked me and another person through that. And it wasn't true. Those things hurt. And some of you can relate to some of these, and some of yours is way worse. How do we do that? How do we move beyond that? I think it's kind of like when you're, we get kind of stuck we do the same thing and we, you try a different angle to attack it, you know. I am really anal retentive when it comes to vacuuming. I want all the lines to go in the same direction on my carpet. Anybody else have this problem? Michael, I know you do. And I have an amazing vacuum. I have the Kirby G5. I bought it because I'm highly allergic to stuff and I'm like, I'm going to get the best thing I can find. And yet... It's like Satan himself places things in my carpet that I'll go over and over and I'm like, that will not come up. Who invented glitter? (laughs) Satan himself invented glitter. And I have three girls and a dog and it's like my whole life is a living hell of glitter (laughs) and the little rubber bands that go around their head. And I'll go over the vacuum and I'm like, it's just stuck. And everything I try, I'm like, fine, I'll do this. And I'll bend down and I'll pick it up. And it's like we, we get to that place where we get just stuck. And we, especially in the area of forgiveness, we're like, man, I feel like I'm trying. But no matter what I try, it doesn't seem to be working. And it becomes a very gut-wrenching and agonizing thing. And yet God is saying, Jeff, this is what I need you to do. I need you to forgive the people that hurt you. And last week, Jesus tells us in Matthew 5 that we not only need to love our neighbors, but we need to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Really? I have to pray for them? 
that God's going to bless them. They don't deserve that, right? But God tells me, this is what I need you to do, Jeff. We have to do this. You must do this. As a follower of mine, you must do this. It's not an optional course. It is a required course that we have to take in Christianity. So even though I don't know what happened to you, I know that a lot of you are carrying this. And some of you have been carrying it for a long time. And it's not going to be easy. But God tells us this is what you need to do. And so what does it mean to forgive what does forgiveness look like? And first thing is I want to do is give you just a, a couple examples of what forgiveness is not, all right? And the first one is this, forgiveness is not forgetting, all right? It's not like you can do the whole men in black thing and go, you know, it's like, I don't remember any of that crap. So I can move about my life and I don't have any memory of what's going on. You will not forget the things that have been done to you. All right? We're not going to sweep it under the rug, suppress the emotions. We're also not going to say what they did is okay. All right? It was not. You will not be a doormat to the way that they are treating you. It also does not mean that there are not consequences to their actions. There are consequences to the actions that people do. But forgiving a betrayal does not mean that we continue to allow them to hurt us. We're not going to allow them to continue to do this. And so it is possible for you to forgive someone and yet create some very healthy boundaries. All right? Because trust has been broken, there's going to need to be some time for them to rebuild trust. We're going to have to work at this. But it's not forgetting. It's also not fair, all right? It's not fair, which is not natural. What is natural? To strike back, right? If you punch me, I'm going to punch you back. That's what's natural to me, all right? And then we're going to get into a, a fight. So you hurt me, I hurt you. You hurt my wife, I hurt you. You hurt my children, I will kill you. That's what's natural, right? That's what we feel. And yet, God says, Jeff, pray for your enemies. And I'm like, I really want my enemies to get hemorrhoids. I I really want them to be in horrible shape. And yet, Jesus continues to kind of tap me on the shoulder and says, hey, we're going to work on this. We're going to work on forgiveness. Because he knows that I struggle here. Because I'm the one who wants to fight back. And I get defensive. And I want things to be fair. And we often say, it needs to be fair. It needs to be fair. It needs to be fair. But aren't you really glad that God was not fair with you? Think about it. Thank God God is not fair. And He is always just, but He is not always fair. And we should be glad about that because I think about the sin in my life and I think about the things that I do that breaks his heart, the things that I do every single day that deserve punishments, you know, it is, it is something that is worthy of death. And yet God continues to say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to count that against you in the court of eternal law. 
I'm going to show you something. I'm going to show you what it's like to forgive. And it doesn't matter if it was a little white lie or the greatest sin offense that you can think of. They're both deserve the fame for the wages of sin is death. Aren't you glad God is not fair? I love the way that psalmist writes it in 103 verses 10 through 12. He says, He, God, does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For His unfailing love towards those who fear Him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. Wow. And so if that is what forgiveness is not, it's not always fair, and it's not something that I'm always going to forget, what is it? It is simply this. Forgiveness is giving others what God has given to you. Forgiveness is giving to others what God gave to you. Because if you're like me, you've racked up a whole bunch of sin. I remember getting my first debit credit card when I was young. It was a long time ago. But it was amazing because this card, all I had to do was swipe it. This was before the insert, but I swipe it and I can get whatever I want. And so I went around town and I was swiping, 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 and I was getting, 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 and swiping, 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 and getting, getting, getting. All these stores... It was so amazing. At the end of the month, my mom handed me something. What is this? This is the bill for your card. What do you mean? Well, this is what you have to pay. I'm like, somebody has to pay for all that? Yep, that's the way it works. See, I had this debt in the form of sin. And I had swiped and sin and sin and sin, and it separates me from God. And I'm like, who's going to pay for that? And our father's like, hey, you know what? That's a little bit more than you can handle. I'll take it. I know for a lot of us, we don't like talking about our own sin. We'd much rather talk about everybody else's sin. We could talk about other people's sin. A group of people like to huddle together and Talk about, you know what, can you believe what she did? Man, that sin over there, or he did, whatever. We like to talk about what everybody else is doing wrong, but we don't like to talk about what we can do to get it fixed. And it's interesting because I always felt like, you know what, it's a little bit more severe. The consequences are more severe the higher the standard of the person is that you kind of offend. You get, I'm trying to figure out a better way of saying it. The higher the position, the greater the consequences. So, for example, if you come up and slap me or hit me, I will probably slap you or hit you back. And it's going to be a natural reaction. I'm going to ask for forgiveness later. But if you go up to the President of the United States and you hit the President of the United States or slap the President of the United States, the consequences will be far greater because there's secret service agents that have been waiting their entire lives to shoot somebody. All right? They've been training for this their whole lives and most every single day, it's the everyday ordinary stuff and they're like, oh, today's the day and, and there you go. 
Why? Because his standard is a little bit higher than mine. Think about it. You lie to me, no big deal. If you go to federal court and lie, you will go to prison. The consequences are just different. Now think about the God of the universe, the creator of the universe, and the offenses that we do to him. What should be the consequences? What should be the result of that? And the Bible is very clear. It's eternal damnation that you will go to hell because of this. And then we have a God that says, you know what? I'll take care of it. If you put your trust and hope in me and you repent and you confess those things, I will take care of it. You can't earn it. You cannot do it on your own. It is absolutely impossible. You cannot take care of this. There's nothing that you can do. It'd be like if you went to Burger King right after church and you got double everything. You ordered the fries, the milkshake, the Coke, everything. But then you got, instead of the Coke, you got the Diet Coke, thinking if I just get the Diet Coke, it's going to take care of everything else. And it doesn't work that way. You can't cancel out those things with a simple Diet Coke. And God takes care of it for you. Ephesians 4, 31, 32 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. As a Christ follower, that's what Jesus gives to us. Grace, mercy. He gives us second chances. And God is saying to us, I want you to do the same for others. What I am demonstrating to you, I want you to do for others, giving others what God gave to us. It's what the gospel is all about, is giving to others something that they did not deserve. It's what Jesus did for us. 1 John 1 verse 9 says, but if we confess our sins to him, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. See, the gospel isn't just about receiving forgiveness. It is about giving forgiveness. I like the way it's said by a pastor. He said that forgiveness doesn't just flow to us. Forgiveness flows through us. And I always think, you know, Jesus, he was thinking of me when he was talking about that. He's like, Jeff, you're going to struggle in this. Like I said earlier, so you're going to need some help. And so he tells us, here's what you need to do. You need to pray. And you're going to pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily, what? You guys know it, bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have debts against us. And when we look at it in the NLT, it says, Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. So Jeff, I'm going to add these to my prayers. This is what my prayer life is going to look like. So the question is why? Why does God want me to forgive so badly? And it's because of this, and I hope you get this, He loves you. And wants you to have a life that is free from these burdens. 
God asks us to forgive, and He wants to set us free because a lot of times what we are doing is we're living under bondage. We're living in chains of the burdens and the bitterness that we have towards others. And so He says, it's not going to be easy, so we say, increase our faith. It'd be easier to be bitter, to hold resentment, to continue to live in a world of, of hurt and hatred but we're asking God, increase my faith so that I can break free of that and show forgiveness. I always think it's good to look at people that are better at it than you are. You know, the people that are able to forgive, like the lady in the video is amazing. I have a friend, Dee Grove. I'm going to show you a picture. This is Dee. She's in the purple along with my sister in the middle and Sarah and myself. Uh, Dee and Jerry are two extremely close friends of mine. They came to Revive a few months ago. They live in Indiana. Um, but Dee has uh, been a huge part of my life. They both have uh, been a big part of my life uh, since I can remember. And Dee has helped me with a lot of ministry that I've done. And remember one time we were sitting by a campfire and Dee started telling me because I started asking her about how she was raised and her parents. And I noticed tears coming down Dee's face when I started getting a little bit more personal. And so I asked Dee to write down what she shared with me so long ago, and this I asked her to do just a few years ago. And this is what she said. She said, my dad was my world. I never could get enough time with him. And the last time I spoke face-to-face -face with my dad was when I was 22. It was my 22nd birthday, June 1984. And I try to hold on to every word that we said, but I mainly remember topics. I can hardly believe that it has been almost 36 years since that day. October 19, 1984, my husband Jerry and I had just returned home from vacation when the phone rang. And Jerry answered, and I came around the corner asking him, what, hey, what do, you, what do your parents want? And he was white as a ghost, and he couldn't talk. He sat in the chair, and then he started to turn red, and then he shook. And I kneeled down in front of him, and he grabbed my shirt and tried to speak. And I said, Jerry, what is it? What's wrong? And all he could get out was, your dad. Dad was 47 years old, an assistant manager at the, Good, at the Goodyear store in Chicago, Illinois. They had an employee who was on a government work-study program, and his name was Brian Johnson. He was around my age. The deal was to work and take classes, and he stopped taking the classes, and he was told that he could not work there anymore. After he threatened them, he left, and a week later he showed up with a gun and a butcher knife waiting outside the back door. My dad was in the office at the computer working on payroll, and he had just gotten off the phone with my uncle. He was very happy to be meeting up with my uncle Phil at his place for dinner. Two store managers were leaving and were met at the door. Johnson demanded money. One of the managers argued. He shot them and stabbed them several times. One he shot in the head but because of the angle of the bullet, it did not kill him, but did knock him out. My father heard the gunshots, and he went out to see what was going on, and he was shot and killed execution style.
The first two victims survive. One still has a bullet in him to this day. She said, I dropped to the floor and I cried, no, no, they killed my dad. And Jerry lay on the floor with me as I sobbed gut-wrenching cries. Ten grandchildren who will never know him. In 2012, his great first great-grandchild. There will be birthdays, graduations, weddings, holidays where he will be missed. The perpetrator did not just steal his wallet with his organ donation card. He stole his presence, his knowledge. He was a scoutmaster. He, he had won scholarships for preaching. He loved cars, his spirit, his laughter, his smile, all gone. I do believe that when you have unfinished business, grief is harder. It will eat you up. The what-ifs will eat you up. Never leave somebody with a grudge. Reconcile, if at all possible. Live in peace. What if the last words spoken are your last? Romans 12, 18. Live in peace. The man who killed my father was sentenced to death by injection. Indeed, he would go on to write that over many years, Bible study groups, small little church in Kokomo, Indiana, that healing would take place in her life and forgiveness was on the horizon. I remember going to a movie. It was called Places in the Heart with Sally Fields. And the first scene, the husband is shot. And my brother and I gasp and we hold hands and we sit there and we cry. And it was like watching dad get shot. And I realized how desensitized we have become as a society because of the media. And at the end of the movie, the father is sitting next to the shooter in church taking communion. And the people are saying, it's a piece of God. And it got me thinking about forgiveness. Even God can use the media. And so I chose to let it go. I chose to hand it over and to say, revenge is yours, Lord. I hand it over. It is too much to carry. I have prayed and prayed and I give it over, Lord, your will be done. Dad was shot twice and died. And the others were stabbed over 50 times and shot and they lived. It was dad's time to go. I decided that dad would want me to be happy and not to visit his grave and cry and bring flowers all the time, but to plant flowers wherever I go. And I leave some as I go. The best memorial I can give my father is to live a life that makes my father proud. I start to live a little each day to invite happiness back in. Slowly, I still have bouts of sadness, holidays, birthdays. I let myself have a good cry and then I go on. But I chose to not dwell on the one who stole it from me. Not to give evil power over by not forgiving. Not forgiving is like walking with chains on. After about 10 years had passed, I learned that the man who killed my father, who had been on death row, was being released after just eight years behind bars. After eight years, because he was under the influence of cocaine at the time. Is that all my father's life was worth? What I would give for for eight more years with my dad. My oldest would have six years with her grandfather. Where's the justice now? 
All I could do is pray, Lord, it is out of my hands. Please don't let him hurt anyone else. Don't let evil win. I don't want bitterness to take root. I try to focus on the good things, the gifts that my father gave to move forward and to forgive. She says, forgiveness is a gift from the God to free us from the pain. Think about that. And I've had a lot of conversations with Dee over the years. How did you get to that place? And she will tell me, it was one day at a time. It was one day choosing that this is what I would do. And you start to realize that faith enables me to see an opportunity for freedom where others only see an offense. This can radically change your life. It's radically changed Dee's. And you can feel the chains coming off and you can feel the release of the burdens that you have been carrying for a long time. I believe marriages can be healed and be restored when forgiveness becomes something that you choose to do. Because in marriage, there's going to be a lot of hurt sometimes. There's going to be some pain. And there's adultery, which the Bible says is grounds for divorce, but then God says, I want you to choose forgiveness. I heard it said, and I couldn't say it any better, so I'm just going to quote this. A strong marriage is made up of two really good forgivers. So by faith, I choose to forgive. It may not be what I feel like doing, but it's what I'm going to do because God asks me to do it. A few years ago, I was sitting in a church in California and it occurred to me because I was listening to a sermon on forgiveness. It occurred to me that I had never forgiven my youth pastor. And that day I made the decision and I chose to forgive. And it was so amazing, the freedom and the release that I felt. And it does not change the past, but it sure can change your future. You can't undo the things that have been done but you sure can determine what your future is going to look like. You are not your own. You belong to God. God bought you at the highest price, the cost of his son, Jesus Christ. And it wasn't enough for God to just forgive. He showed love and mercy on a level that is hard for us to understand. And this morning, we want to give you the opportunity to take the first step to start choosing forgiveness. It's only going to bring you closer to God. So what is your candlestick? Who is that person who you need to show forgiveness to? And this morning, not out of obligation, but out of choice, we're praying that you will choose to make the decision to forgive. The first of which I am going to show forgiveness to somebody else. And the second of which is to praying for an attitude of forgiveness. Basically saying, I am not there yet, God, but God, I am praying that you give me the heart that can forgive. And I want to be a forgiving person. I want to forgive others. I need to be forgiven. And so I'm going to pray and during our response time, 
We have the communion stations at the side. There's an area where you can give financially and worship through that. But on the seat, everybody has a candle. And this morning, what we're going to do is allow you to come to the front with your candle. And as you light your candle, and you can set it down on the table, you are making the commitment to show forgiveness. To forgive somebody who has wronged you and hurt you. And praying that God will give you the spirit of forgiveness. So we're going to pray, and when I'm done praying, you have your time to respond. And I pray that we will all come to a place where this is what we choose to do. Give me the faith, God, to forgive. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for just laying it on our hearts. This is something that we need to do. I thank you that you showed us what forgiveness looks like. And I can't imagine being on a cross, being nailed to a cross and saying, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. So I pray that we'll do the same. And we respond to you now. And this we ask in your name. Amen.